Welcome to the True Face Podcast. My name is Robbie Engel, and I'll be your guide as we have conversations about what we can learn from what's going on in our lives. Most of us get stuck in our relationship with God and others, and we end up wondering, is this really all there is to it? Here's a question. What if God isn't who you think he is, and neither are you? The grace-based relational discipleship resources at trueface.org help you answer that, to help you live into your true identity. And this conversation will hopefully do the same to help you do that. And whether you're watching this on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, please remember to subscribe and share and and join the growing tribe of Jesus followers by going to trueface.org or checking out the resources on our Trueface Life app. So on this episode, I get to introduce Bill and Christy Galtier. Galtier. Did I say it right? How do I pronounce the last name? Galtier. Yes, you, you said it right the second time. Yeah. Man, I, I was I was I was, I second guessed it, but we so Bill Christy and I met maybe three years ago. Yeah. And we were like, man, y'all are in spiritual direction and, and work with discipleship. And you're like psychologists and therapists. And so we connected. And then I saw him again a year later after not connecting. And then we missed each other. So it was like, let's be friends. Let's connect. And it feels like we've supposed to be friends, but we've been catching up lately. And I was like, I got to get him on the podcast. Uh, they've, They've led in different ministry environments. They've authored a few books, uh, Journey of the Soul. They offered their newest book, Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith, Growing Emotionally and Spiritually Through the Enneagram. They started Soul Shepherding uh, Institute, uh, where they do spiritual direction uh, certificate programs and development. They've worked at churches. They have doctorates in psychology and, and counseling, and they took their therapy expertise and their counseling expertise into spiritual direction and discipleship, which they've been doing soul shepherding since 2009, is it, guys? Yeah. That's, That's awesome. Y'all have been married 37 years. You got three kids, four grandkids. You live in Orange County. So what What have I missed, y'all? What, what, give us some more context. Oh, it's, it's fun to meet your True Face friends here through the podcast here. Appreciate your ministry. And we've uh, known about you guys for a few years, as we said. And Love what you're doing, partnering with churches and small group leaders and bringing grace-based relational curriculum and processes into our churches. And so we've got a lot in common uh, with the ministry of soul shepherding. And uh, we help people go deeper with Jesus in emotional health and loving leadership. And the primary way we do that is through our Soul Shepherding Institute with five-day immersive retreats at uh, beautiful venues for about 40 leaders of different types, pastors, missionaries, spiritual directors, coaches, ministry spouses, soul friends, all kinds of people who are helping others and serving the Lord. And we help you learn to live and lead from the overflow of God's grace in your life. And really, we are just Uh, fellow disciples in this journey of growing in grace. Now, you you had experience and your training has been all over the board. Give us some context as to your journey and how it intersected with the Willards. Yeah, so uh, both Christy and I studied psychology, earned our doctorates in psychology. I'm a licensed psychologist. Christy is a licensed marriage and family therapist, a licensed professional counselor. 
Um, I experienced a spiritual renewal about 20 years ago, and Dallas Willard was at the center of that uh, for both of us and uh, his wife, Jane Willard, uh, especially for Christy. And so we went on a journey of integrating spiritual direction, spiritual formation with psychology, uh, with uh, Jesus being central to that. And so at first that just looked like reinventing how we did therapy and how we did training in the church. We've served in a, a few different church uh, roles uh, over the years. So our career has always been uh, bivocational in terms of being in the church world and some pastor roles and then having a private practice as Christian therapists that we shared. And then in 2009, we put it together in soul shepherding and we, we stepped out of the private practice office and into the lives of pastors and all kinds of leaders. And so we seek to do ministry the way pastors do it, uh, life on life, face to face. And so uh, lots of different uh, roles and ways that we interact with pastors, uh, including our Soul Shepherding Institute retreats. And uh, yeah, we love what we do. And uh, basically we're, we're integrating Christ-centered psychology and spirituality uh, for people. So our approach to spiritual direction is really informed by Christ-centered psychology and that that's our distinctive. I, I love it. So a lot of um, people listening m might not have an idea about what spiritual direction is or what it looks like. Help us understand what, what is spiritual direction? It's been growing over the past few years, but a lot of Protestants, is it's not as um, common in a lot of our traditions. So help us understand what is spiritual direction. Thank you for asking that, Robbie. It's not anything scary or mystical or new agey. Basically, a spiritual director is somebody who really holds a space to listen to another person, another brother and sister in Christ, as they listen to the Holy Spirit, listening on their behalf and mm -hmm. helping discern what is God doing in my life right now, helping them take some some next steps in their growth in Christlikeness. That's helpful, Bill and Christy, about spiritual direction. So there's really three buckets that a lot of times I talk to people about counseling, coaching, and then spiritual direction. I'm in two out of three of those right now, but help us understand uh, uh, how those are different and when you would guide yeah. people into those different environments. Yeah. So a counselor is helping people with mental health problems, uh, depression, anxiety, uh, addiction, a relationship problem, and they're giving a, a diagnosis, a treatment plan, might be referring to a psychiatrist for medication. Now, a lot of counseling uh, sort of transcends mental health disorders and gets more into like the personal growth and relational health space. Uh, coaching is very uh, practical and focused on reaching goals. A lot of times it's around leadership or work, uh, our, our giftings. Uh, but uh, very active and goal-oriented. There's lots of different types of coaching, uh, life coaching, leadership coaching, uh, soul shepherding, we do those. We also do sabbatical coaching. Uh, but the main thing we do is spiritual direction. And spiritual direction, as Christy was saying, is a conversation uh, with someone that's prayerful, and you're really focused on their relationship with God. And uh, the contents of counseling, coaching, and spiritual direction actually might be the same. What we talk about might be the same. But in spiritual direction, we're like, we're not treating a mental health disorder. Uh, and yeah. if we're dealing with le leadership, we're really dealing it from the, the standpoint of our intimacy with God and uh, doing our, our work and our, our leading, our ministry with the Lord in God's presence. 
And so spiritual direction is a lot about using the resources of spiritual disciplines and soul care. And then in soul shepherding, the way we train our spiritual directors is it's very empathy based. So our spiritual directors are great at listening and really understanding what people feel and then using the soul shepherding tools that we've created. Uh, like healthy feelings, thriving faith, and, and understanding somebody's personality type and how that affects their process of discipleship and, and all their relationships. I, so many, so many of us in the Christian space have been inundated with knowing plenty about God, but so many of us, and really at the core of the ministry of True Face, is that we're stuck. We know about God in our head. We, when it comes to intimacy, attachment, experiencing, hearing from God, these are things in that weird mystical space that l some of us in our uh, in our church environments have. Like it, it's it's easier just to avoid those things. Like growing up, it was like Father, Son, and Holy Bible. That's all you need, you know, and so. We've missed thousands of years of spiritual rhythms and and learnings of this this way of relationship with Jesus that my spiritual director has been really helpful for in helping me prayerfully navigate some of the the blocks for me and and you know pull at the string of some of what I'm desiring in my relationship with God. So thank you for what y'all are doing and. One of those tools that uh, I love that y'all incorporate as counselors and therapists and spiritual directors is the Enneagram. And it, I've thought the Enneagram is awesome. Like it's been one of the most insightful tools of any of the tools that I've seen. And I also love Jackie Hill Perry and she's a hater. And so why? So I just want to throw that out there. I think I don't agree with Jackie on this one. She She's awesome, but I love Enneagram. But give us some context. What is the Enneagram? Because you wrote a book on it. And then I'd love for you to walk us through what the different nine categories are. And then how what we can take away knowing our Enneagram when it comes to our emotional and spiritual health and how that could be used as a catalyst for our deepening relationship with God. So good. Thank you, Robbie. Well, certainly we, we love Jackie too, and we love the Enneagram, but all under Jesus. We really love Jesus. That's and right. the Enneagram really is just a tool. That's all it is. It's like my, it's like my iPhone. It's a tool. And, you yeah. know, one of the things Jackie has raised the alarm about is that others that are not Christians have contributed to the theory of the Enneagram, but that's true for my iPhone too. And I wouldn't not use yeah. my iPhone because it wasn't developed only and used only by Christians. And what I found with the Enneagram is it has been an incredible tool to help me grow in my trust for Jesus, in my love for him, in my intimacy with him, and shedding my false self-identity, which is what personality is as understood properly through the Enneagram. The Enneagram is a, a theory of understanding our personality based around a root sin, it's a way of mm. trying to secure ourselves and survive and cope in a world that's hostile and try to get our underlying needs met. But that actually our personality is a false self that can get in the way of our true identity in Christ. So it's been incredibly helpful to me personally in revealing unconscious sin 
and barriers and motivations mm. within me and defense mechanisms that I've been depending upon habitually that I wasn't even aware of because they were developed so unconsciously, so slowly over time. And having those revealed through understanding the Negram theory of personality has helped me grow to depend upon Jesus and trust Jesus and open to receive more of his grace and grow in my identity in him. So one of the things we found as we've studied the Enneagram and have used it in our practice over the last 15 years, we used it personally for many years first before mm -hmm. we began to, to teach and to lead others in it is really seeing each Enneagram type also reveals the nine faces of Christ because he's, he's the perfection mm -hmm. of each of our types. And so it's also very helpful for us to getting a vision of what it looks like for us personally to grow in likeness of Christ. Uh, you were saying earlier, Robbie, a lot of times in discipleship, we sort of uh, think it all depends on believing the right things and doing the right things. That's how we talk about in soul shepherding, you know, believe and do, believe and do. And what we believe and what we do are certainly important, but we're not a brain on a stick. You know, we're, we're living souls. And so we thrive in relationship with God and others. And so the Enneagram is a tool for helping us understand ourselves, getting language. Uh, and we really believe that God has made us as uh, beings that have emotions and emotions are a gift from God. And emotions are the window into our personalities, into our whole soul. And so when we can find words to describe what we're experiencing, what we need, what we're feeling, it really helps us to understand ourselves so that we can pray more effectively, so that we can be more uh, loving in our relationships, and ultimately so we can become more like Jesus. And so emotions are a lot deeper and they're connected to our thoughts. But a lot of times we, we've had teaching that, well, if you just will change the way you think, that will change your whole life and it'll change how you feel. And there's some truth to that, but it's not the whole truth. So we also need to just go right at understanding our emotions because our emotions and our motivations also influence our thinking. It's a two-way street, even in our brains. Uh, emotions and thoughts are connected. So uh, when we can access wording for core emotions that we struggle with, like uh, the, the main ones that we focus on in our book, Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith, is the challenges that we all have with anger, shame, anxiety, and underlying sadness. So all nine Enneagram mm -hmm. types are formed around anger, shame, or anxiety, and have different ways they interact with those three emotions of distress, and then there's this underlying sadness. And when we get help with those emotions, then we can open up to the fruit of the spirit and the emotional aspects of the fruit of the spirit with love and joy and peace and power and all, all the other uh, good, uh, healthy emotions that we want to be living with. So give, give me an overview of the nine, uh, for somebody that doesn't know the Enneagram, the nine types and how those are connected to those different primary emotions. Yeah, so uh, the gut types are the Enneagram 8 that's a challenger and the 9 that's a peacemaker and the 1 that's a reformer. Most people call that the perfectionist. I'm a 1, and while I do have perfectionism, I didn't like the fact that that was a negative title and all the other ones it seemed to me to be positive titles. So we reformed the title and we call it the reformer because 1s are all about improving things. So the eight, nines, and ones are, are gut types. They live from their gut, they're, they're body types. They like to be doing, and uh, they have um, 
struggles with anger, different ways they react and deal with anger that's very forming and, and malforming of their personality. And then the twos, threes, and fours. So, so we're going around a clock face with the nine types. And these are the heart types. So the twos are the helpers. And the threes are the performers or achievers. And the fours are the individualists or artisans. They're often very creative in different ways. And so they're uh, heart types because they're feelers, they're relational, and their core emotion of distress that they're formed by is shame because they're very um, uh, damaged around their image and how people see them and feel about them. And then the last three Enneagram types are head types. And uh, that's the uh, five, six, and seven. And so the fives are the observers. Uh, the sixes are the loyalists, uh, very, very traditional problem solvers. And then the sevens are the enthusiasts that tend to be the life of the party. And as head types, uh, these personality types are shaped by anxiety uh, and um, flitting about, moving about, multitasking, uh, and have issues with fear. And so uh, with whatever our personality type, we need to understand what that core emotion is, but it's tricky because as Christy was saying, uh, in, in the Enneagram theory, and this really meshes with good psychology, uh, good Christ-centered psychology, which is one of the reasons why we really like the Enneagram as a tool, is that personality is actually not a, a good thing. Personality is actually a defensive construct. It, it's uh, mostly uh -huh. unconscious and unhealthy, unloving. Now, it can become healthy and loving, and that's what we're after uh, in our new book. And so, uh, but we tend, we like to think of personality as just like something fun. We have different personality types and, you know, I'm okay. You're okay. Let's just get to know each other, celebrate the differences. And, and there is truth to that, but it's sort of on the surface. So the Enneagram is taking a deep dive and it's a spiritual psychology tool. And it's really, it's good spiritual psychology. It's very open to a biblical worldview to a Christ-centered approach. Now, there are a lot of Enneagram teachers that are going in different directions with it, even some who, yeah. who, who go by the identity of being a Christian. And so you really have to sort of look at who's teaching it, but that that's true with anything. Anything yeah. in life, certainly in matters of the soul and relationships, we need to know the character of our teachers and are they rooted in God's word and uh, are, are they followers of Jesus? And so our, our approach is saturated with scripture. Every page has scripture references on it. And it's really all about our discipleship to Jesus. It, it's like meditation. You know, like every religion has a spinoff on meditation, but like as Christians, because it was like, well, that's, that's Eastern or whatever. It's like, wait, so contemplative prayer is just out. It's like, well, we don't do it, but no, there was like meditate, like meditating on scripture and prayer. Like for most of my life, meditation had that taboo. Just like, yeah, other people have tools. Is it Christ centered or not? Is the million dollar question. And, and y'all are, that's right. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, there's a, there's, it's easy to have this point to Jesus as, uh, I've seen it. So, um, the, the gut and the anger for eights, nines, and ones, the head and the anxiety for five, six, and sevens and the heart and the shame can connectivity for twos, threes, and fours. My Emily, my wife is a peacemaker. She's a nine. I'm an eight, a challenger. Uh, I'm, I get the gut piece that resonates uh, with both of us, but I don't 
see anger. I've never like I don't see a lot of like that surface in her. So help me unpack um, the ways that anxiety or shame or anger surface differently, because that's very different between an eight, nine and one, I'm assuming. And for all of these. It's true. They do differ. And for your wife, her anger would be maybe turned a little bit more inward. You might see it more in some stubbornness or some passive aggressive type. Uh, you might experience in that way more coming out. She's not going to be direct with it she, because the Neagram nines especially want to avoid conflict at any price. So they're going to internalize a lot of anger, a lot of stress to avoid anger be directed towards them in any way. And that's yeah. true for each of the triads, the way that the anxiety is experienced or ways we try to cope with it, the ways we try to contain it, the ways we try to repress it, the defense mechanisms are different for each type. So we do unpack that in our book, Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith, the different defense mechanisms, the different emotional alarms and the different spiritual disciplines, or we call them soul care practices that each unique type most needs to help us to grow and trust for Jesus huh. and in receiving his healing touch and grace in our life. So, uh, so as an eight, how, how, what, what is an example of what that looks like for me, uh, in regards to how that's connected to a rhythm or a practice that maybe I could be more lean into a little bit more. Well, eights are more outward with their anger. Uh, so in contrast hey, hey, don't to your... tell me what I am, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I want to thank Sorry. you for Sorry. your courage here, Robbie, <laughs> that you would even ask this question because that's vulnerable. You're being vulnerable here on the podcast and with us and with the listeners. And that's what eights tend to want to avoid is vulnerability at all cost. Yeah, well, so you like I, to disagree. So tell us your thoughts. That's part of being an eight, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, sorry, that was a, that was a joke, but obviously Bill. Yeah. So, so tell me, unpack for me as an eight, like what those rhythms and as an outward, typically if I'm more outward in the anger or the verbal or the disagreement, what's, uh, how do, how do I reconcile that with an emotional practice or a rhythm? Yeah, so eights act with power. A lot of times their family role, uh, we call it their family formation, is being a fighter, being um, aggressive or at least assertive, uh, making things happen, uh, being very, very active. Uh, they've learned to be confident outwardly, even if they're not confident inwardly. They tend to think that in mm -hmm. any situation, they're, they're the best leader. Uh, and so people follow eights because of that confidence, that boldness, the willingness to take risks. And uh, eights have they have energy uh, and they have abilities. And so uh, there are many gifts that eights are bringing. The challenge for eights, their their root sin is is a, a lust for power. And so uh, the way the root sin works in every personality types is it's a way that we unconsciously are protecting ourselves from harm or uh, dealing with stress and pain in life. And so eights deal with that by having power. And so their, their, mm. their basic defense mechanism is denial. And so they're uh, in, in different ways, all nine types are denying their core emotion and root sin. For the eight, it's a very blatant, over-the-top denial of needs, of even emotions perhaps, of being vulnerable, because they, they feel the need to be strong. And so without realizing it, they're prone to, to, to punch first rather than getting punched. 
And so they just get the spar going right away. And on the positive side of that, we, we learn by disagreeing. And even the Proverbs say that iron sharpens iron and, and eights are, are all about that. So their, their core mm. emotions we're saying is anger. And uh, unlike the Enneagram nines, like your wife and the Enneagram ones, like me, they're, they're more outward with that anger. You, you're more likely to see at least as assertiveness, directness, disagreeing, uh, b- boldness, energy, uh, for the nines, it's very opposite because they're in the center of the gut triad. So a nine with a one wing or with an eight wing is still in that gut anger triad. And so the, the nines are internalizers. And that's what Christy was saying is that without realizing it unconsciously, uh, the defense mechanism for the nine is somatization, meaning that the anger goes into, into their body. Uh, but back to you as an eight. So we, we have uh, for every every personality type and the Enneagram, we give you uh, an emotional alarm. So we sort of predict for you based on your type. If you can learn this emotional alarm, it's a wake up call to be careful because you're, you're heading into an unhealthy region of your personality. So it's like an indicator light on the dashboard of your car. Yeah. And so for the, for the challengers, uh, the eights, the emotional alarm is toughening up. And so when you find yourself as an eight, you know, putting the chest out, being real quick to disagree, thinking you need to have the power and be tough. If you can catch yourself and actually go the opposite direction. Now, of course, there are some situations you need to be tough, you need to be defended, but most situations you probably don't. And from knowing you, Robbie, as we're getting to know each other, conversation we've had, you've been on a journey through your own spiritual direction, your own counseling has helped you to soften your heart and so in Enneagram language, uh, this gets into uh, the, the line. So on the Enneagram, there are, you have a line from your, your personality type's number to other numbers. One number might be a wing that's your subsidiary personality. Another number is like, well, in stress, you tend to take on some of those characteristics. And another number is, well, here's when you're relaxed, you take on some of these characteristics, and this will help you to grow. Mm. It, it, it is a little complicated, and that does intimidate yeah. some people. But it all makes sense, and it's actually not hard to learn. And then you get the benefit, because if you learn what we're saying here for your type, a whole world of insight opens up to you, a whole world of language. Uh, We we make it super easy and bring the cookies down to the lower shelf. And the emotional alarm is one of the ways we do that. So the idea is that instead of toughening up, if you can soften up and actually be vulnerable, that is the surprise power that eights have because they have so many gifts and they have so much confidence that if they let some of that vulnerability out, wow, that really inspires trust from other people to follow the leadership of an eight. And so mm. we refer to that as integrating at the healthy two because the healthy two is, is the helper and they're compassionate, they're tender, they're vulnerable. And so the theory is that the Enneagram eights especially need the strengths of the helper twos to be most like Jesus within their eightness. Uh, and then hmm. what opens up to you as an eight is y- your virtue to cultivate is mercy, uh, kindness towards others. And, um, and the positive emotion that goes with that is gentleness. And it's a beautiful thing when an eight is cultivating the positive emotion of being gentle. Now gentleness is more than an emotion, but it definitely has a emotional tone to it. And so, and then the last thing I'll mention, which is the, the most practical 
a tool, well, really along with the emotional alarm, but is the key soul care practice. And so, uh, and, and so we've got nine uh, soul care practices or spiritual disciplines that we're highlighting, one for each type. And these are good for all the types. We can all benefit from all these practices, but based on our research, we think there's one that you especially need. So we would predict for you, Robbie, is that it would be spiritual friendship. Uh, mm. and, and we could have said spiritual direction or counseling, but for the average eight, and you've transcended the average eight already, but for the average eight, it's a pretty big step to talk to a counselor or a spiritual director. They, they don't tend to do that a lot. Uh, and so I found that a great way to help eights to grow is spiritual friendship. And if I'll go first and be vulnerable, because eights like to help and they like to have power. And so I have found that eights really respect vulnerability. And then that helps them to be vulnerable, too. And so they really flourish with a spiritual friendship, that, that iron sharpening iron type of relationship. That's awesome. I'm so intrigued. And we need to do a marathon podcast because I want to hear each one. And I wanted to go to... Yeah. to Emily next is a peacemaker. And I mean, each of these is the interconnectedness is like super insightful. And I was talking to a friend who's a counselor, who's an eight. And we we're like, yeah, we're weird eight counselors, but it was a gift that God knew. Like it, even here, I, I didn't know the connectedness to the two, the helper, but like to practice, like it, it was a gift of, of God to be able to have five years to just practice being more empathetic and practice just caring for others without needing and, and, and in an environment where control is not helpful at all, you know? Uh, and when I hear power, I hear control that resonates a little bit more with me as, as a synonymous yeah. term as an eight. Then that's a good word. The, the, even, even, even the spiritual practice of, um, the lack of control or being able to change others in a counseling environment was really humbling. Uh, and, and it was one of the takeaway, the gifts I got from years of realizing I cannot change anyone else. And it's really annoying, but I, cause I tried, I tried early on, it just doesn't, doesn't seem to work. Um, so one example, a quick example, just, uh, I know we've been in the gut triad, but, Give us a little, uh, give us a couple connectors about, and Christy, maybe as a two, um, that's heart and that's connected to shame, which we talk a lot about at True Face. But unpack a similar kind of uh, mosaic of what it looks like as a two. Yes. Well, as a two, it, my story, really, I am a wounded healer. And so I write and I minister out of my story and God bringing great healing to me as a child. I was born into a family who did not understand emotions and everything was about the right beliefs and the right behaviors. And even the church that I grew up into, I received many blessings in that church though. And I'm very grateful for it and certainly got a foundation of beliefs that were so key and critical to me as well as some good experiences but I felt a lot of shame because I was someone who had a lot of emotion and my parents would say, snap out of it, Christy. Uh, when I exhibited emotion, I was isolated. I was sent to my room. I, it was not understood. And so I assumed that God really wasn't interested in my emotions either. And that really became a big intimacy blocker for me in my relationship with Christ. And I became very attached to some of what I was learning with church about doing the right thing, about pleasing others, about pleasing God, because 
that really is for the Enneagram too, the emotional alarm, that, that people pleasing. We learn very early on as Enneagram twos that if we want to receive anything, we need to give in order to get. And this becomes habitual in our personality. And so we go looking for people to help, to give to, in hopes that we will get something in return. And we begin to secure ourselves in habits of people pleasing and serving and helping. Underneath is this deep need to feel wanted, to feel loved. But we don't think that we're lovable. Our identity is very distorted in that. And so we think the best we could get is feeling wanted for the help that we give. Because we have this underlying shame that we're bad, that we're unworthy to be loved. And so you can see how understanding this and waking up to this and getting gut level honest with this has been so helpful and important for me and fueled my healing and being able to open to deeper levels of my soul to God's touches of grace. That to actually come to have confidence that God does love me, He does want me beyond my what I do beyond what I have, beyond what people think of me, because I can get very tied up in playing to people in order to overcome that sense of shame that I feel internally. And Mm -hmm. actually that's where my root sin can come out is I can actually get prideful about what I do and about all the good help that I give. And that can get in the way also of my receiving the grace that I need and, and humbling myself before the Lord. The key soul care practice for me as an Enneagram too is solitude. And that Mm. one was hard for me to embrace for a long time because what I shared was solitude was experienced as punishment for me. I was sent into solitude as punishment when it felt like my emotions were too much or my needs were too much for, for my family. But solitude has actually come to be a real grace for me because when I get in solitude, I come to discover that actually I'm not alone that Jesus is there with me and he's caring for me and he's loving me. And also I need solitude because I can get so preoccupied when I'm driven by my personality to secure myself with always paying attention to what everybody else is feeling, anticipating their needs and trying to meet them. So I need solitude where I can cut all that off and I can get in touch with Mm. what do I need? What do I feel? And where is Jesus with me in that? That's, that's really well said. I, I, as, as we lay in the plane, I, I want to let y'all leave us with whatever you want to lead the, leave the tribe with as we wrap up this podcast. But I'm so grateful for this conversation and the insights, and I'm really excited. I just got the book. I have not read it yet. Uh, Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith by Bill and Christy Gaultier. Did I get it right? You Two did. Good close. job. So y'all um, check it out, soulshepherding.org. But, the, you know, the, there's the adage that as we mature in understanding of God, it, that's connected to understanding of ourselves. And that old adage, we can only understand God to the degree we understand ourselves. We can only understand ourselves to the degree we understand God. The interconnectedness of this, of, of, of learning and going God revealed to me, who are you? The character of God. And in the same way, one of the beauties of fellowship is that, and tools like this and directors and counselors and coaches is that with objectivity, they become mirrors. They help us. Fellowship helps us become more aware of who we are. And with that strengths and weaknesses and underlying lies that we get to replace with the truths of how God sees us. 
it's hard to replace the lies with the truths of who, how God sees us if we're not aware of those lies. And I think that's been the gift of Enneagram for me in this conversation to give me insights into that, which is just um, sets me up uh, to, it, it, you said the emotional alarm uh, the, or the awareness, the indicators of where we um, can replace those lies with truth or receive um, healing or, or, or double click on those emotions to understand what's under, underlying that. Because usually... He has a good gift for us as we as we follow that thread. So thank you so much uh, for partnership, new friendship. And I'm excited about what y'all are doing. And, and thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. And especially in this book, I'm excited. So Bill and Christy, what would you like to leave us with as we land the plane? Well, the best gift that any of us can experience is to discover that the Lord Jesus Christ is present in your life and in he actually enters into your personality. And in the Gospels, we can see stories uh, and teachings of Jesus that illustrate your personality type as God created you to be and as you can be through the redemption, the saving work of Jesus Christ. And so we show you what Jesus is like in your personality type from the Gospels. As your root sin is confessed and, and being overcome and you're growing in, in God's grace, as you're learning to listen to your emotional alarm and practice your, your key soul care practice. This is going to wake you up to the work of God's loving kindness and presence uh, and truth in your life to be more like Jesus. And so when we can see Jesus as a mirror uh, to my best self by God's grace, that's a phenomenal gift. And so that's my favorite thing about Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith. And uh, we'd love for you to get the book. You can get it wherever books are sold. You can get uh, it at soulsharpening.org slash Enneagram. You can learn more about our other Enneagram resources. And at our website, uh, soulsharpening.org, you can also learn about our Soul Shepherding Institute with our five-day retreats. Uh, and you can learn about how you could earn a certificate in spiritual direction you can apply to whatever your ministry or work is. And that's a phenomenal life-changing experience for everybody that does it. Let, and I would go. also just say, for those of you that are heart types, you need to know Jesus is your shame taker. And for those mm -hmm. of you that are gut types, you need to know Jesus is your anger mediator. And those of you that are head types, you need to know Jesus is your anxiety bearer. And underneath that are some tender emotions of sadness. And we help you look at those tender places where there's some loss, some hurt, some unmet need, and finding language for that and getting help to pray that through, getting help to share that with someone that's safe, like a spiritual director. That's where the real life change happens and God meets us. Man, let it be so in all our lives this year that from that that foundation up, he redeems and restores. And and we'll have you back on. I want to I want to unpack that sadness underlying all of those different emotions next. So we will have you back on the podcast. Bill, Chrissy, thanks for joining and thanks everybody for listening in. And I think this is coming out around Christmas. So have a happy, merry Christmas and celebrate the birth of our Savior. Thanks, y'all. Bye.